Hello, and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Dot Mill Docs, the Military Health System's official podcast. Today is Thursday, March 11th, 2010, and I'm Elizabeth McCleary K. Lockwood. This week is Patient Safety Awareness Week, and the Military Health System, in partnership with the Department of Defense Patient Safety Program, is recognizing this national education and awareness building campaign. With the goal of improving patient safety at the local level, this year's theme is Let's Talk Healthy Conversations for Safer Healthcare. Today we are joined by Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Donald Robinson, Director of the Department of Defense Patient Safety Program. He's here to tell us about that program and what they do. Lieutenant Colonel Robinson, welcome to Dot Mill Docs. Thank you. Sure. Um, so to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about what the P- patient safety program is, what your role is, and how it fits within DOD? Oh, sure, I can do that. Uh, Elizabeth, I'd, I'd really like to say thank you for the opportunity to talk about the patient safety program, especially during the National Patient Safety Awareness Week. This year's theme is Let's Talk, Healthy Conversations for Safer Healthcare. Now, to explain the role uh, and to explain the program, uh, I'm privileged to serve as, as the uh, director of the DOD Patient Safety Program. I work in the Chief Medical Officer's Office for the Assistant Secretary of Defense Health Affairs with the services to ensure safe care is provided to our beneficiaries. Furthermore, I am a surgeon, husband, father, and recipient of the care provided within the military uh, health care system. Now, the uh, program, patient safety program, was mandated under the Floyd D. Spence National Defense Authorization Act in 2001. Patient safety program is a comprehensive program that provides products, services, educational, and training resources to help ensure the safe delivery of health care across the military health system. Our guiding principles include encouraging a system-wide approach across services to create a safer patient environment, promoting innovation and creativity through leadership engagement, fostering a culture of trust and transparency through communication, coordination, and teamwork, and embracing national initiatives that we deemed beneficial uh, to the military health system, like Team Steps, and the uh, Patient Safety Awareness Week. Okay. Um, Are there any other major organizations that are involved with patient safety also? Uh, Sure, sure. We have uh, uh, several, but, you know, you have to understand the entire program. Uh, The the, uh, medical treatment facility commanders are involved. Uh, The uh, healthcare providers are involved. Patients are definitely involved. So patient safety is a shared responsibility. Uh, We also uh, have patient safety champions within treatment facilities. We have team resource centers, and patient safety managers uh, are the the gatekeepers, if you will, uh, within the centers. Our partnerships also include ongoing collaboration with local and federal agencies like the uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality uh, and the Department of Veteran Affairs Health Administration. We've uh, also developed partnerships with several nonprofit organizations like the National Patient Safety Foundation, and they are the sponsors of the uh, Patient Safety Week, which we're in right now. Okay, so to break it down a little, across the top, it seems that there's cooperation not only among all the armed services branches, but also across other government agencies? Correct. 
Okay, and then down on the ground, kind of at MTFs, there's individual patient safety coordinators and leaders who are making sure that the teams are working together. Absolutely, and we call those patient safety champions. You have to have you have to have leaders on the ground that understand the importance of patient safety. Right. Um, so those leaders are really our eyes and ears uh, down at the military treatment facilities. Okay. And you had talked a little bit about um, building a culture of trust. Is that something that the champions are really working on? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the culture of trust, it starts from uh, top down, uh, and we always say top down, bottom up, but really top down. The leaders are the the holders of that trust. And it's, you know, it's through strong leadership that uh, we have the ability or we create that culture, what we call in patient safety, a just culture, where you have transparency. Uh, it's where uh, if you see a uh, potential harm event or a harm event, uh, you're able to say, hey, time out. I see something that's not right, and you know that uh, it's going to be corrected because we understand it. We understand that there's system problems, not people problems. Right. So we're here to fix the the system. Okay. Um, so then, what kind towards that end? What kind of initiatives are you working on that really get into the system and help fix it? Oh, thanks. To, well, the services have developed a comprehensive program, and you have to understand that first because without service lead, uh, we would be dead in the water. So the services have their have developed a comprehensive program, which focuses on mitigation of harm, leveraging patient safety, and also uh, leveraging quality data because they go hand in hand. And all of this is in in a in an effort to uh, create that cultural change that uh, we talked about a moment ago. The essence of patient safety involves grassroots efforts within treatment facilities. Uh, many of the innovations, the, the process changes, uh, and toolkits occur thanks to ideas originating from individuals. And these are individuals not willing to accept the status quo, uh, like the Good Catch initiative, uh, which started out of Vandenberg Air Force Base. Uh, and that's where they looked at how to create the, uh, the just culture. So what did they do? Uh, they rewarded hospital staff for recognizing potential harm events, and they call it, you know, good catch. And they say, you know, that's a good catch. It, <laughs> there was no harm, no foul, but the potential for harm was there. And, and that's what we're shooting for. We're shooting to to make make it so that everyone understands that there will not be retribution, that it's okay to report near misses or potential incidences. Right, because I'm sure it's better to have somebody report that kind of thing and fix it than have a have an incident in a hospital. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right. So it must be really important then that you are able to instill in people the belief that there's no retribution. Well, that's 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 part of the commander's responsibility. You know, what we try to do is provide services, toolkits, uh, provide information uh, to the commanders so that they can instill. Uh, with within their staff, the uh, the just culture, and, and that's what we're shooting for, and and we're 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 moving uh, along the the appropriate course to getting there. All right, and we're going to take a quick break for the Dot Mill Docs Health Beat news and information from the military health system. When we come back, we'll have more with Lieutenant Colonel Robinson. Dot Mill Docs Health Beat. 
Officials are taking action to reverse years of decline in the percentage of people with disabilities in the federal workforce. That's according to speakers at a March 5th training session held to prepare for a federal hiring event for people and veterans with disabilities. The percentage of people with severe disabilities employed by the federal government has fallen steadily in recent years, but people with disabilities can submit resumes for the hiring event, which will be held April 26th. You can go to www.usajobs.gov and click on Special Hiring Events. Approximately 500 people with disabilities will be selected to come to the hiring event, which will be held in Washington, D.C. Representatives from 43 different federal agencies will be there holding job interviews. During the recent Joint Services Women's History Month observance on Capitol Hill, a Senate resolution to recognize the accomplishments of women in the military was presented and then accepted by a female wounded warrior, Sergeant First Class Juanita Wilson, who lost her left arm in 2004 after an improvised explosive device hit her convoy in Iraq, accepted the resolution on behalf of each and every woman that served in the U.S. military. The resolution, introduced by Senator Barbara Boxer of California, was given in Wilson's honor. And finally, the recipient of the first hand transplant performed in a Defense Department facility has said she hopes her surgery provides hope for service members wounded in combat. Retired Air Force Master Sergeant Janet McWilliams is the 10th person and the first woman in the United States to receive a hand transplant. A team of military and civilian doctors performed the surgery February 17th at Wilford Hall Medical Center. All these stories and more are available at health.mil. Log on to stay up to date. This has been your .mildocs health beat for the military health system. I'm Russell Carlson. And welcome back to .mildocs. Lieutenant Colonel Robinson, Director of the Department of Defense Patient Safety Program, is telling us all about this important program and the work they're doing. Dr. Robinson, what comes next? How does the patient safety program tie into the MHS quadruple aim, and what are they doing to move into the future? Oh, uh, you know, that's an excellent question. Uh, first, uh, what is the quadruple aim? Uh, the quadruple aim is a model, uh, is a model that uh, was described by Don Berwick of the, of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. And it, he basically stated uh, the, the triple aim, is uh, improved population health, uh, improved patient experience, and reduced per capita cost. And in and, and the military, we added to, to come out with the quadruple aim, readiness. Okay. So you, you take that to balance uh, the increasing complexities of responsibilities uh, within a healthcare system. And that's how we came up with that. Now, how does the patient safety program fit into that? Well. If you look at readiness, first, uh, a healthy fighting force is a force multiplier. Everybody understands that. As long as we keep uh, the force on the battlefield, they can perform the job that's necessary. So patient safety does that by ensuring that they get in and get out of treatment facilities uh, in a safe manner. Uh, improve patient health, uh, again. By providing a safe environment, you develop trust, uh, trust between the patient, the provider, and the system. Uh, the byproduct of that trust is the use of services, and that's the early use so that you can prevent later uh, injury or illness. Right. Uh, positive patient experience. 
uh, and we've all gone in medical facilities or, or any type of service facility, we've had a negative experience. And the first thing that we do, or first thing that we say, I will never go back there again. Right. And, and that's normal. That's, that's human nature. So, uh, you know, through effective training, uh, providers, training of providers, uh, the team members, uh, we, we, we foster communication, uh, effective communication, so that we can talk to our patients, so that they have a sense that we know what we're doing and that we're in it, uh, you know, for their best interest. And by doing that, we eliminate confusion and we help the patients to understand their options when they're coping with uh, some difficult uh, medical decisions and reduce per capita costs. A safe patient environment increases quality, uh, it reduces waste, it decreases the likelihood of harm, all of which decrease cost within our healthcare system. And right now, you know, the, the cost of healthcare is uh, at the forefront of everyone's uh, conversation right. in Washington. Right. So then what role does trust play into this whole program? Well, if you have a program built on integrity, trust, and honor, it supports the uh, notion of a just culture, a culture that admits mistakes or errors, and more importantly, it supports the overall quadruple aim. All right. Well, Dr. Robinson, I want to thank you so much for coming on Dotmel Docs, especially during Patient Safety Awareness Week, really bringing attention to it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Sure. Thank you. Bye-bye. That does it for us this week on Dotmel Docs. Join us next week for a visit from Dr. Frederick Flynn, Program Director of Traumatic Brain Injury at Madigan Army Medical Center. Dr. Flynn will be joining us to discuss the Traumatic Brain Injury Program at Madigan. Until next time, see you on Health.mil. This program is a product of the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs, Military Health System. Dotmil Docs features the most relevant military health topics important to you and your family. If you have questions or topics you'd like to see on an upcoming episode, send us an email at dotmildocs at tma.osd.mil. That's D-O-T-M-I-L-D-O-C-S at tma.osd.mil. Visit health.mil for more episodes.